Before we read out of God's word, let's bow to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the stillness and the quietness of this afternoon, it has been good to be here already. It has been good to sing praises to your name. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be excited about. And we're thankful that you have given us the gift of music to, in some small way, try to express that to you. Lord, it is a blessing to be surrounded by those of like precious faith. It is a blessing to raise our voices together and to be encouraged to sing of your power that you have that is available to us of all people. It is a blessing, Lord, to open your word and to look into it. We're so thankful that you've left it for us. Where would we be without this roadmap that you've left us? We would be struggling with our own ideas, and one person would think this and the other that. (coughs) Lord, we're thankful we don't need to do that, and that you've left your word for us. That through it you have given us instructions in black and white and letters on a page. That you have left us some of who you are and your character that we can understand even when what we're looking for, the answers we're looking for, are not explicitly pointed or printed out. We're thankful that we can see and understand who you are in different circumstances, how you've reacted, and to understand and get to know you better. So, Lord, this afternoon, we come before you not because we know everything, not because we have it figured out, but just the opposite, because we understand and realize, recognize, recognize and confess that we have much to learn and much to grow, and we're thankful that together we can be on this journey here below. We ask that you would be with us, Lord. Our minds would easily wander to perhaps the past few days or the days to come or whatever else Satan can use to influence us and try to distract us. We ask that you would help us not to let that happen, that by the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, you could help us to be still and listen to your still small voice this afternoon. For this we thank you and we praise you in the wonderful name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. With God's help this afternoon, I'd like to ask that we turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and with God's help, I'd like to start reading at verse number 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither, out of all cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he had come out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and to buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to, to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go to the other side before Bethesda. Well, he sent the people away the people. And when he sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling, and, and he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But they, when they saw him walking upon the, upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they come out of the ship straightway, they knew him and ran through that whole region around about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. I've read to the end of the chapter. Let us kneel down and worship. O Lord our God, thou art worthy to receive praise and honor and worship and adoration, for all belongs unto thee. They were created for thy glory, for thy pleasure, dear Father. We are thy creature, O Lord. Though there are many men that deny this, O Lord, but we want to acknowledge this. We want to acknowledge this, that we were created in thy image and that we did fail miserably and were separated from thee, dear Father. But that a way has been found in Christ Jesus to be reconciled to the living, to the holy, the just God, O Lord, who is very merciful and gracious on those that humble themselves and yet also very long-suffering toward those that still deny him, O Lord. 
It is our prayer that as thy word goes forth again this afternoon hour, that hearts may not resist it, but receive it as the living word, whereby we have life in obeying it, O Lord, where unto us are given precious promises, O Lord, so precious that our human mind cannot even comprehend the extent what they mean, dear Father, that we should be called the children of the Most High God, that we should see him in glory face to face and be like him. We thank you that Jesus Christ has come and that has helped us, O Lord, to understand, O Lord, that this great God has compassion with us. For he walked upon this earth, O Lord, and expressed his compassion and love and sorrow for those that resisted, dear Father. We thank thee, O Lord, that he became a man, dear Father, and that, O Lord, we assuredly know that we can identify with him and he with us. We thank thee, O Lord, that it is a day of grace, that it can be still proclaimed freely in this city, <coughs> that we can visit, come from near and far together, dear Father, about the Holy Word, which brings us together and claim the promise that where two or three are gathered in thy name, thou wilt be in their midst. O Lord, and it is for everyone to choose to receive thy word, to accept it, that it may work thy good pleasure in the heart, dear Father, and thou abundantly wilt reward, dear Father. We are mindful of the sick and the suffering, those that perhaps are sorely tempted <coughs> and weary and to despair, dear Father, that they can be encouraged and that thou mayst use the hand and feet of thy body here upon this earth to work thy work and reach out to those, O Lord, that need, are in great need. We are mindful of those that are of old age, O Lord, and yet they would like to go home already to their eternal reward, dear Father, but yet there's still the witness to be given to the generations that follow, dear Father, to encourage them and see how true and faithful they can live here even below. We thank thee, dear Father, that thy holy word is with us so available, dear Father. We thank thee that we can meditate upon it whenever we have a desire. And may we always have a desire, dear Father, and not neglect it, but day by day reach out to it and have thee talk to us, O Lord, what thy holy will is unto us. We ask and pray that thou anoint now the brother to speak thy word, that it may go forth in simplicity and truth. Supply thou his need, O Lord, for he too is in the flesh, and it's thy upholding, and cannot give anything except thou dost first provide. We ask and pray, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the prayer, brother. Uh, he summed up my feelings exactly, because if you came here this afternoon to hear some great speech, uh, you're going to be disappointed. If you came here to hear something particularly new, I'm afraid you also might be disappointed. But I'm so thankful that we're not here relying on man, because man will sooner or later always let us down. So I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit who can speak to us in spite of the weakness of man. God, what does God like, look like to you? How powerful is God to you? What is the end in your mind of where God seems to not be able to help you, in our minds at least? 
We read this afternoon of some miracles that the Lord Jesus did um, when he was here and got me thinking about this is, you know, we, we, we look around us in the world around us, in nature around us, and we start, if we stop and think, I think sometimes I get so wrapped up into the, the day-to-day events that have to happen. You get up, you do your thing, you go to work, you come home, you put the kids to bed, and it all starts over. And I get so wrapped up into the, the monotony of life that sometimes I don't take enough time to step back and just to think about where I'm coming from, where with God's help I'd like to be going, and just look at the bigger picture. I think sometimes we, we pigeonhole into the, the task at hand and, and forget about the bigger picture. And I read a book, I think it's a little over a year ago. I, I think Jenny and I were, went out for dinner one night and we stopped the chapters and picked up this book about a hurricane that happened and I got flipping through it. So uh, I think she actually got the library because I'm too cheap to buy books. And uh, it, was a, it was a book that talked about a hurricane that hit uh, Galveston, Texas in 1909, somewhere around there, I can't remember now. And as I just read through this book, it was just a story about how, this, this, how the events unfolded and, and, and the power that was in, in this hurricane. There's probably been uh, more and are powerful, more powerful ones since. We have some of my family here that's from Florida. They understand this way, way better than I do. But it just impressed on me that the power that was in nature and how, if I remember right, the winds were 230 kilometers an hour. The storm surge was 16 feet and, and pretty much leveled the city. Thousands of people died. Homes were wiped out. All the, all the engineering of man that they had put in place to stop these sorts of things were just flattened. It was just the toothpicks. There was pictures of just mountains of, of rubble, which were houses and buildings and bridges and whatnot. And it really impressed on me the power in nature. And it got me thinking, you know, and it, couple things that came to mind, you know, you go, you go, we don't have to go far up the road, we see Niagara Falls. It's simply water running over a hill, a cliff. But if you think about the power that is behind that, it boggles the mind. I mean, we use a small portion of it for electricity, and it powers, I don't know the facts, there's probably some here that work for Antero Hydro that could tell you how many homes are powered, and, and that's, it's just water running down a hill but yet so powerful. Man cannot come up with things that are this powerful, and yet it's around us in in the world that God has created by saying so. He said in Genesis 1, you know, let there be light, let there be this and that, and it just happened. These things that are bigger than than my mind, at least, can comprehend were put in place because God simply said so. Another example that I thought of was we're getting a little closer to perhaps uh, current times. Lots of us remember uh, 2004, I think, December 26th. Started as a sunny day around the Indian Ocean. Some strange things were going on, but nobody really thought much of it. And remember, that's when that tsunami hit that killed 230,000 people, I think. And as I and as I looked at some of the details, it just blows your mind away. The, the tsunami, the wall of water that hit was up to 100 feet high and absolutely flattened everything. There was one place in the ocean they say was 4,000 feet deep. Now is 100 feet deep. Just the power in nature all around us is incredible. 
is incredible. Something I can't put my, get my head around. I cannot fathom this. And we have brothers here that work in the, in the nuclear business that understand, uh, I want to begin to start going there, but when we get a microscope and we look at electrons and very, very tiny things that my mind don't comprehend, I need to see what I'm looking at. Seems innocent enough and, and, and amazing when we look at just that little detail. But what happens when we start messing with these things? The incredible power that is in this innocent thing, an electron, I think. Don't quote me on this, Brother Alan. You can probably straighten me out later. But I'm trying to paint a picture of, of how awesome God is, how big he is. And this is stuff that he created, stuff we see, stuff we sort of understand. We haven't begun to talk about the sun and the stars and the energy that is produced by this sun that seems to go on forever and, and allows an environment that we can live without we could not live. And one other angle I'd like to remind us of, and those of us that are parents have had this privilege to see and witness when our children were born the miracle of birth and how amazing what all happens when our, our children are born and in, in the development of them in, in the womb and then when they're born, those first few minutes, you think about the transition that happens from being in the womb dependent on mother to instantly this switch being flicked and they start to breathe and they start to cry and I can't imagine how awesome this is, but just puts you in your place. I think those of us that are parents can, can appreciate that. Just, it just leaves a mark on you that God has the power to give life. How amazing that is. I couldn't help but thinking of in Joshua chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Starting at verse 32, I believe. And the Lord delivered Lashish into the hand of Israel, which took it. I'm in the wrong chapter, I think. Joshua 10. 12 to 14, my apologies. Then spake Joshua unto the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up to the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still, thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still. And the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Think about that. Because God said so. The sun stood still for a whole day. The God that we serve, I painted a few things that just came to mind about how powerful nature around us is and how we can't begin to grasp what is all there. But the God that we serve is bigger than that. It's bigger than that, can control it, can stop it. I mean, I'm no uh, astronomer or anything like that, but 
for the sun to stand still, which the sun doesn't stand still. The earth obviously had to stop turning. Um, there's a lot of problems that are caused by that, Going looking at physics alone. That can't happen. It's impossible. Everything would go out of whack, but not when God says just pause right there for a bit. Is the God that you serve, is the God that I serve that big to you? Is he capable of those kinds of miracles? And at the same time, that big God that I've tried to paint a picture of, and I'm sure you could think of lots of other things that different things kind of connect with us in our own minds in different ways, things that you find just amazing around us. That same God is also very small. It's also very small. John chapter 11. Verse 32. When Lazarus had died and Jesus uh, went there, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. This God that is so big and that is so powerful and has no limits was moved when one man died. And those that loved him were grieving, were hurting, to the point that the Son of God wept. He wept. Is the God in your mind and the God in my mind that compassionate? The God that seems to be so big and there is no limit to, can he be so personal to you as well? That when you hurt or when I hurt, that he hurts. The brothers and sisters in Ancaster probably get tired of me quoting my favorite verse in Hebrews where it talks about that we have not a God which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin, that he can be so big. He came here to this earth. He put on the form of a man. He chose to do that because he loved me and he loved you that much. And he came to show us that it can be done. And when he came, he was affected by the same emotions that we are is the God that you serve, that personal to you. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing to know that the Father that we serve has that kind of love? Think about it. There's billions of people out there, and that on a personal level, he can connect with us that way. It boggles the mind.
Luke chapter 12, verse number 7. Start with verse number 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than of many sparrows. The great big God that puts the universe, has put the universe into position and caused all the motions to happen, that has decided that so many rotations every hour, every day makes it, makes this happen and so many rotations around the sun. That big God that has all that power that can unleash hurricanes, that can, as we read today, calm those storms. Those same storms are under his control completely and totally can just say, stop, peace, be still. That same God knows you and knows I to the very minute details of the very hairs on our head, seemingly insignificant, unimportant, not critical, but yet knows me and knows you to that detail. And you know, depending on your situation here this afternoon, that can be the best thought in the whole world, or that could be a very terrifying thought. I'm thankful that God knows everything about me. There's some there that's not so pretty and is ugly at times. There's parts of me that none of you know. There's parts of me that we knew, I'm sure, that we do the best to sort of cover up and hide the skeletons in the closets. God knows all of it. It is like he has a bright light in that room and knows it all. And you know, I don't feel good about those parts of my life. I'm not saying we should, but I'm glad he knows it all. I don't have to pretend to be anybody except for me, because God knows it all. And I want to challenge you this afternoon that that's a good thing. I want to challenge you to give your life to that God, that God that's big enough to to control all those forces of nature around us, that God that there is no limit to, also wants to control and know every part of you. He knows every part of you. He will not force himself upon you. And the question this afternoon is, what side of that God do you want to be on? I'm not here to scare anybody into... Uh, serving God. We could pull out all kinds of verses that talk about what will happen if we don't serve God. And I think we know those well enough. But this afternoon, I want us to remember the compassionate side of God, the loving side of God, the side of God that he's not looking for any of us to trip up and fall. He's there to catch us when it happens. I want us to remember that the God we serve is not some far-off being that is just waiting to cast judgment when we fail. The God we serve is a God of love, is a God of love who will do anything and everything except for forcing us to help us, to carry us when we fall down. I said a few times in the last little while, and my father-in-law referred to some of it this morning a little bit, 
how the world we live in has gotten all afraid of these refugees coming and how, you know, there's a certain side of that that we're afraid of what some of them might bring here. And I saw an article that the subject put it into, the heading, excuse me, put it into perspective perfectly. It talked about how, you know, for years and years, Christians have been trying to get to some of these countries to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. And that's difficult because these countries don't really welcome missionaries very much. But God has sought that instead of all that, he's bringing them here instead. No visas, no paperwork, no flights. They're going to learn our language. What's wrong with that? We can share the love of God with them. We can be a witness to them. We can show them that Jesus that we read about this afternoon to them. And of course, the challenge is, what are we going to do about it? We can talk about it, and it's easy, very easy for us brothers to stand here and, and say we should this and we should that. But when the rubber meets the road, brothers and sisters, are we going to show them the love of Jesus? You know, we can probably have all the intellectual conversations in the world with these people, we're probably not going to convince them that our God is the God and that our God is the one they want to serve. Chances are, for most of them, that won't really hold a lot of water. But if we can show them love, in spite of the fact that there's maybe a piece of us that is a little afraid of them, if we can show them love, that is the loudest language we will ever speak. Are we going to do it? Are we going to step up and be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus, as was mentioned this morning. This God we serve is so big and yet so personal, is so strong and yet so gentle to weep when we weep. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time putting that into the same person, if I can use that term. It's so impossible. And yet... It's, it is impossible. We cannot do it on our own. But with God's help, all things are possible. There isn't much about what the Bible tells us to do that will come naturally. Everything here goes against what human nature wants to do. And that's what makes it stand out the most, like was mentioned this morning. When we do things that don't make sense, that are not possible, it's not normal to love people that might hurt you. <laughs> but when we can love them in spite of that because we are trying to show them the love of Jesus, that speaks. That speaks. Brothers and sisters, the God we serve is an amazing God. And what a blessing it is to serve him and how humbling it is to think that that God loves me. Loves me, I don't understand that. I don't deserve that can't quite comprehend that. I was so thankful this afternoon when the brother encouraged us to look up and to smile and to sing. We were singing 279. And he didn't know what God had laid on my heart this afternoon. And I find it so interesting how many times God works out these details. And it shouldn't surprise me. In fact, it shows me how big God really is to me when it surprises me that the theme all works together in a day. Why does that surprise me? Brothers and sisters, let's examine our minds when these things happen. 
And I think, I know for myself, a lot of times what I realize is that that God isn't that big to me after all. But he encouraged us to, to smile and to look up and sing, His is the power, Almighty is God. He ruleth wisely, and every morn his goodness shall be new. His goodness shall be new. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. His name is holy, and all the world is of his glory full. Why does this surprise me when these things happen? When we come together, and it seems like things just fall into place. You know, it's so easy to talk about the big things out there and say, yeah, that's the God I serve. I believe he can do that. I can believe he can make the sun to stand still. Well, that's that's easy to say. But why is it I have a hard time believing he can help me with my personal challenge today? Which is easier for God? Which is easier for God? It's so easy. I remember a book I was given. I think it was as a Christmas Sunday school gift, Little Visits with God or something the title was. And and one of the stories there was how a Sunday school teacher asked the kids, you know, if you had a million dollars, would you give half of it to God? And of course, every kid put up their hand. I would, for sure. Beautiful. If you had a thousand dollars, would you give half of it to God? Every hand went up. If you had a dollar, would you give half of it to God? And there was a lot of awkward silence. And I think if I remember the story, one kid stepped up and gave the teacher 50 cents. It's a whole lot different when it is within what we have to give. I can be the greatest man of faith out there when I'm talking about stuff that I don't have. We can give it all away. But what about what we do have? Can't help but think of the rich man and, and the poor widow, I think it was, and how Jesus said, you know, he of his abundance has thrown in of his abundance. How many of us have given till it hurts? How many of us have given until we can't do what we wanted to do because we gave it away? I must confess that by far and large, most of the giving that I do, it's kind of hard to do, and we kind of are, well, it's, it's a kind of a bummer, but I still do what I was going to do anyways. It doesn't, it doesn't make me change what I want to do anyway. We absolutely fall into the rich man category. There may be a few exceptions, but even those exceptions compared to the rest of the world out there, I think we would have to be honest with ourselves and say we could do more, we could do better. So this afternoon, as we, as we think about the God we serve, I want to encourage us. You know, sometimes it's like I started by saying, sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up into the, into the details of how does this in the Bible work with that in the Bible, and we need to have those discussions. I'm not saying we don't, but let's not forget. Aside from all of that, aside from all that this is how we do our service and that's what we do and don't do, aside from all of that for a minute, the God we serve is a God of love, a God that is out there to, to lift you up, a God that is out there to help you. A God that is out there to comfort you when you're hurting. You know that we read this afternoon of, of different miracles that Jesus did. People were hungry. He fed them. They were on the storm in the sea, and he calmed the storm. And that chapter, I didn't read the whole thing. It's a bit lengthy. There was other miracles, and we can look in, in the Bible, all the miracles that Jesus did. Whatever the storm was, 
in people's lives. None of them were too big, and none of them were too small either for Jesus to step in and help. So I want to encourage us this afternoon. I don't know what storms you're facing today. I don't know what challenges you're facing today. But let's look into this word, the word of God, the Jesus that we serve is big enough. He's big enough. There is nothing. If he can stop the sun for a whole day, stop the earth from rotating, he can help you with your problem, no matter what it is. And this afternoon, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, I want to encourage you to think about why not. Why would you not want this God on your side? Who do I think that I don't need this God? Who do I think I am? Give your life to the Lord. I can speak from experience, and I'm sure all those here that have given their life to the Lord can speak from experience. It's the best thing in the whole world. It's the best decision we've ever made in our life. Is it always easy? No. Is it always a path of roses? No. But we know the big picture. Let's step back and think about what we're trying to accomplish, where we're trying to go. Yes, sometimes it's difficult to do what doesn't come naturally. It's difficult to give up self. That's the only thing we need to do. God will do the rest if we can give up self. Give up my will. Give up my stuff, whatever God has blessed me with. Can we give it up? Can we give it up with a good attitude or can we give it up and grumble about it for the next week or month? Brothers and sisters, the God we serve is willing to help you. All we need to do is give up self. And friends, there is nothing more that we would like than for you to be with us, that together as a congregation, together as a church, together as a family, we can help each other through this life below. It has its bumps. It has its difficulties. But we don't need to do it alone. We have this wonderful family that my father-in-law talked about this morning. At the office, at work, I'm thankful that we have a good number of brothers and sisters and friends from, from the church that are working there. And there's, we, we can have the right culture that way because we have some people that it's not just one or two of us. There's, there's a percentage that's big enough that we can kind of have the right culture. And there are some who don't understand that. There are some who don't appreciate that. There are some who think if they're not part of this church, they know who goes to this church and who doesn't. There are some, and I hear it on occasion, that if they're not part of this church, they're never going to succeed in this organization. That's not true. But there are some that feel that way. But the vast majority are just, they're amazed by this relationship we have with each other. They're amazed that we come back after a weekend and we talk about this or that or what we did together as a church family. They, something about it is just intriguing. As we were encouraged this morning, let's not hide behind the fact that we're different a little bit. Yes, it's, we take this seriously. We don't just say we're Christians and nothing changes. Together, we try to encourage each other. We try to carry each other. We try to help each other. We don't want to come here and go away the same way that we came. I remember comes to mind years ago at the Sydney Street Church in Kitchener, there was one neighbor that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge. 
she, uh, you know, has a big church jammed into a small place, and afterwards we're outside visiting and fellowshipping together, and the kids were kids. They knew that it bugged her, so the odd time little things were done to annoy her, which wasn't a good thing. The odd time they're playing outside and their ball went over the fence and she kept the ball. She was just one of those neighbors. She just didn't understand that for 80% of the week she had the quietest neighborhood, her backyard neighbor of all. But there was a few services in the week that there was people outside talking. They weren't being unreasonable, but there was lots of them, right? And I remember one time, a Sunday night, it was probably after 9, 9.15, there were still people outside. And it's a beautiful thing, the fellowship that we enjoy, Right? And I happened to be inside, and the phone rang. And I answered the phone, and she told me who she was, and I already knew who she was because it was one of those situations. And she said to me something I will never forget in my whole life. She said, I don't know what's with you people. I've been going to church for 50 years. You go, you worship, and you leave. You people don't go home. And I said, ma'am, in all due respect, we don't want to be one of those churches. I apologize that it's a little noisy. I'll go outside and try to, you know, get people to, to keep the volume down a bit. But this is what we are. This is who we are. Sorry. We want this fellowship that we were reminded of this morning that is so good. And, and that we can work together to serve this God. This God that is so awesome. So this afternoon, let's, in the next few days perhaps, I want to challenge all of us to think about who God is to you. How big is God to you? What can he do for you? Where is the end of what you are allowing him to do for you and for me? I don't have this all figured out. Where is it that I have a hard time believing that God can help me? We all have those areas in our lives. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. In closing, I'd like to read the words to a song that is very familiar, but I think does a great job of describing the God that we serve. And I want to ask us all to think, is this God to you? O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power displayed throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think of God, his son not sparing, he sent him to die, I can scarce take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and lead me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow with humble adoration and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. We serve an amazing God, an awesome God, one that no matter how hard I try, I cannot describe. I've picked a few things that happen to come to mind that just describe the biggest things I can picture and to show 
by the word of God, that he's bigger than that. He's greater than that. And he wants to be your savior and mine. Amen. Let's kneel to pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we are in awe of the works that Thou hast done in our lives just in these hours. So thankful in this moment that Thy Spirit would lead us and would inspire us. Father, we are reminded not only of the responsibilities that we have in Thee, but more so the blessings and the opportunities that we have in being called Thy children. And as we consider these things this day, Lord, we pray that the magnitude of who you are would stir us in our service and in the zeal of our love for thee. Help us, Lord, to consider all the love that thou hast shown for us and the largeness of thy presence in our lives and in our world. Let us go forth, Lord, into the world with that message, that message of thy greatness of thy love for us and thy compassion for us and the opportunity that all have to know thee in such a large way, but also in such an intimate and small way too, a way that is personal and that is life-changing. Be with us all, Lord, in this day and in this week. Gather thy believers together again according to thy Spirit's leading and according to thy will and grant a blessing on this message to our hearts. For we pray these things once again in Jesus' name. Amen. This hymn so well does express the awesomeness of God. If it was up to me, I would copyright the word awesome for God, not to use it for everyday things. In this time that we live in, They make great discoveries in the universe. They are amazed by it, what they see. And in the infinitesimal small things, they're amazed what they find out. And yet, where do they turn? They're awed by it, but they say this came about by chance and time. And as it says in in Romans, it says, They worship the creature more than the creator. They're amazed by it and say, oh, how amazing the creature is. Yet God did create us with the capability of being amazed. We have been blessed with a series of grandchildren. And I always find it so touching when those little ones discover new things, when they are amazed by it. This capability of being amazed, I think, should turn us to our Creator. That we acknowledge Him in the things that we are amazed by. And the greatest thing, to be amazed by God's love. By so great a God that He should really care so much for us, as the brother brought out in his sermon. Let's think of this and, and consider that so great a God, you know, He can take care of our little problems that we may face. Let's be amazed, but turn to him, amazed by him, and thank him. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris, for serving us all the world. And likewise, the brothers that served this morning.
take our greetings with you. Lord be with you and thank the Lord on you.